Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Homo Sapiens. And who's our host for tonight? Mr. William Young and Mr. Christopher Sweeney. And laughter. And who's our special guest for tonight? Our special guest is the bootstrap cook, activist, and non binary sensation, Jack Monroe. And what are we doing on Twitter today? We're asking you about your memorable meals. It's been an exciting week. Highlight of the week Loose Women. So Loose Women, for our international listeners, for our friends in Bogota, is a four sort of well-known women who present a kind of daily chat show um, where you go on and you talk about, well, it's issues of the day, talking about the news, things like that. And yeah. enter stage left, William Young and Christopher Sweeney. And on we went and we had a right old laugh. Tell us why you've brought Christopher with you today. Well, Christopher brought me, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, we do a podcast, so we're, it's called Homo Sapiens, and now we're launching season two with Jeremy Corbyn, no less. Exactly. I was very excited to meet Anne Diamond just because she was my childhood. And what did you talk to him about? Compost. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Paxman, we are not. They're all lovely. Janet Street Porter, I particularly loved. She's got a warmth about her that I'm not sure comes across on television. Yes, I agree. And she's super in- intelligent. Yeah, I've done quite a lot of stuff at LGBT over the years, but what is LBGTQ plus now? Linda Robson asked, what does the Q stand for? I had a mind blank. All I had in my head was quinoa, quinoa, quinoa. It is quinoa. <laughs> um, so I threw it. That's why I threw it to you. It's not lentils, goja berries. <laughs> Bernays sauce. But, yeah. <laughs> Bernays sauce and quinoa. Tapioca and quinoa. Plus. Why didn't we do an LGBT cookbook? Coming up on today's episode, we have Jack Munro. You may know part of the story. She lived in poverty. She started a blog that went viral. And then she wrote best-selling cookbooks for people cooking on a budget, let's say. She's an activist. She speaks her mind. I love what she says. She's very endearing, very funny. She's also famous for taking on Katie Hopkins and winning, which makes us very happy. All I wanted from her was an apology, because Mm. in the days that followed what she said, that vandalised war memorials, I was getting death threats from veterans. She has sort of built herself this reputation as someone who represents, I don't know, a new voice, a younger voice, and has been a big 
figurehead for being non-binary. Jack does identify as non-binary. I did ask her this and she was and is quite happy with the pronoun she. She is a force of nature and she's an extremely funny individual as well. 2011, I was a single mummy blogger on the doll, starving, hungry, suicidal. And then I got a book and I was like, all right, I'll do this for a laugh because I need a job. And five years later, I'm like, it's Will Young. <laughs> and we're sitting here making a podcast. Jeremy Corbyn in the news since we spoke to him. Oh, yeah. The Czech Spy. It's not my new novel. Skip me up a bit because I'm not entirely The Czech speed. Spy, Will's Love Affair, out now in paperback. Skip me up on Jeremy's espionage. Well, supposed espionage. A Conservative MP pretty much accused Jeremy Corbyn of being a spy or fraternising with someone. Um, it all kicked off a bit and the Conservative MP has apologised. Now... What I like about this is it's an example again of Jeremy Corbyn going, screw you to the papers. And then he only replies on his Labour channel. Oh, what? He doesn't give it an interview? No. Right. People were saying, listen, you are being a bit bullshit because I think sometimes he can come across a bit bullshit. I wasn't saying that in the interview because we had we needed as much time as we And I was yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. squirrel away those mugs that we stole. I just felt like there was something slightly other about him you know when he opened his jacket and 20 different passports came out i thought hang on a sec this isn't this man isn't what he's saying he is yeah i thought "Mm." and also the ppk that was strapped to his ankle the fact that he arrived on skis was was a question mark for me but why did he have a shoe which a knife came out at the end (laughs) that's how he cut up his cupcake (laughs) I did a gig last night. Did you? Yeah, in Manchester. How was it? It was very good. It was a corporate gig. Uh, Ka-ching! <laughs> it was a corporate gig. And corporate gigs are, well, they're private gigs. Mm-hmm. So I uh, went up to Manchester. Lovely family. Can I just say, the party was unbelievable. Really? There were two women dressed as swans on stilts. You brought, brought your family? <laughs> you could... I say women, I mean my father, Robin. Um, <laughs> it was in the Hilton Hotel in Manchester... There was a bit of a set two at the lifts. Okay. Yes, because the Chelsea team arrived, the (gasps) Chelsea football team. And we were all waiting for the lifts. And there was this older couple in front of me, American couple. And they kept on letting people just push past them. Wasn't the Chelsea football team's fault, by the way. Mm -hmm. And so the management of the hotel were just letting, you know, obviously the guys go through to use the lifts. This poor couple, they just keep on getting... So our lift opened, the one we were next to. Then they went, the guy, <laughs> whoever's looking after it from the hotel went, we just need to wait for two, three minutes, everybody, till we clear all these people and then you can go up. And I went, uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Turned it to my mother. I was like, excuse me, I don't think that's very fair. So we're all guests here. You know, we're all people. We can just get in the lift at the same time. Yeah. This couple who are staying here for five nights have been waiting. Mm. Yeah, but they were just piling them in. So they were trying to hold back people yes. other than the footballers yes. to let the footballers or the people in the team. Up. I perhaps got a little bit of friction. One of the Chelsea team said, if it means that much to you, I think a little bit passive aggressive. Uh, he goes, you can get in the lift. And I was like, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And we got in. Any other reason you want to be locked in a lift with a football team? <laughs> I had that mixture of like standing up for myself and others who mm-hmm. I felt were just being pushed apart and then also feeling a bit embarrassed about it. But so old couple waiting, Chelsea didn't get in lift. You say, hey, these people have been waiting, but then you just got in the lift and left the old couple behind. I left the old couple behind. 
Well, they were American, so they, <laughs> they, they, were, they were American. They didn't even know who these the Chelsea people team who These the Chelsea people have team rights, were. and then you no, just get straight in the lift. They, they, got it, they got in the lift with me. Oh, yeah. they did? Yeah, they did. Yeah. And so you're all in this lift now. Yeah, there was a, a mixture of us. Was Alan Shearer playing? Was he, play, was he playing today? <laughs> even I know Alan Shearer was Newcastle United. Um, Michael Owen was probably there, there wasn't he? Michael Owen was Liverpool. <laughs> George Best. Don't know about George Best before my time, but ask me anything on uh, <coughs> Olympic speed skating and I can tell you. How's it going? Can we talk about that woman who crashed out three times? At least Christie or something. I was just heartbroken for her. There's been some brilliant LGBT visibility at the Winter Olympics. Gus Kenworthy, gay Olympian, has been kissing his boyfriend publicly, which is fucking great. Well done. Where, not while he was doing the routine, was he? Was it Eric Radford who said, I want to be a nation's sweetheart? That was very funny. And they also played a load of Adele, I noticed. During the Winter Olympics? So many people's routines on the ice were to Adele. Yeah, they should switch it up though, no? Well, I did throw some of mine forward did you yeah yeah if you had to put forward a song what would it be ice ice baby my acoustic rendition <laughs> was that song you i never knew <laughs> i never came to your music that oh, early yeah, yeah. oh no, really very, very progressive haircut mm-hmm. in those days just age 12 <laughs> have you seen suit do you know suit supply no suit, Get a shop it's a suit shop and they have launched a campaign advertising campaign which shows it's all gay men. So it's like two men in suits holding hands or kissing or something. When they put them up on their Instagram, these images, they lost 12,000 followers immediately, apparently. Did they? Here's a question for you. Mm. Now, this is me being cynical. Are they sitting there thinking, let's just focus on gay men? Mm -hmm. Or are they making a statement? What are they doing with that? My feeling is great. That's really cool. Because actually, you're advertising men's suits. Why do they have to be desexualized? And then if you yes. want two suits in a shot, why not have the men wearing them kissing? Um, no, I think it's brilliant. And I'm probably a bit of a cynic at the same time. Me too. So, another really cool thing I discovered this week. Thank you to my friend Maggie Barker for telling me about this. Do you know the Instagram account, Her Story? No. It's a lesbian culture Instagram account. Um, so they started this thing called Her Story Personals, which was to do with, I suppose, frustration about being a gay woman and how you can meet someone on apps and things because they tend to focus very much on gay men or the ones that are focused on gay women. People weren't getting what they wanted, let's say. So My they've friend set was. Up- <laughs> so look, they've done this thing where every Instagram post is like an old school singles advert saying hi you know my name's Jane and I live in so-and-so and I would like to meet someone like that and you can contact the person all through Instagram so it's like the most old school thing um, yeah. that we all remember it's taken off it's doing really well it's, it's sweet it's such a really nice kind of quite non-sexual yes very non-sexual there's something very innocent about it I quite want and to do one on our Instagram let's do that personals um, can I just ask, I don't understand why some people put like a hot chilli. What, what does a hot chilli mean next to something? I don't know. Does it mean hot, hot, hot? Well, I don't know, because you know an aubergine means the penis, right? Yes. What? So Is that it what it means? <laughs> why does my mother keep on sending me an aubergine? You're such a aubergine. What <laughs> Will we head over to Twitter? Yes, let's. Why are we taking to Twitter? 
Well, because Jack Monroe is our guest this week, who famously is the bootstrap cook, who did brilliant things like would do like a 59p version of a Nigella recipe and stuff. So we thought we'd ask you guys, what has been your most memorable meal? Julianne, when I was newly married, I made stew in a pressure cooker, which was the in-gadget back then. I've got one. I thought it was very modern. Unfortunately, the paper guarantee to the appliance was still in the cooker. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that leads me on slightly to something that happened involving paper or... Yeah, and fire today. What happened? This week, I set fire to my printer. I was working in my study. I I was burning a candle... And it was in front of the printer. And then I walked out the room and you can print outside the room. So I pressed print when I was outside the room. And that was that. And then I carried on chatting to my sister who was in the kitchen. And then I was like, oh, that's funny. There's, there's smoke. <laughs> there's smoke coming in from the, uh, from the hallway. Wonder why that is. Looked out and the study was full of smoke. And my printer was on fire because it had obviously printed the paper and that had then gone out and over the candle. And set fire. Not the nice black candle. No. Sorry, I'm sorry about your printer as well. And your potential house, your house (laughs) potentially burning down and you dying. the people that died. (laughs) Uh, Nobody died. So I ran in and was like, fuck. And I don't know why I did this. Grabbed your sister's head. I I grabbed the, I I grabbed the printer, which was melting. And so I burned all my fingers with black hot plastic. And you can Ooh, see, Chris, that's not listen, good. listener, you can see the burns here. Carly had a pub carvery while she was in labour, which I love. That's amazing. She threw it up after every contraction. <clears throat> can you remember any major events where you remember what you were eating at the time? You know what? I'm not a foodie person. Actually, yes, I can. I got taken to Claridge's by Simon Fuller, wow. who was the person that came up with Pop Idol. Mm-hmm. I think there was a court case about that, but it ended up that he did. <laughs> and we went to Claridge's and the food was amazing and had this sort of like beef stuff and mm. ice cream truffles. Oh, really? I remember it. It's one of my main food memories is that when my sister would have friends around for dinner when we were younger, whenever mum put the dinner on the table that she'd very kindly made and worked very hard over having done a full day's work I would turn to my sister's friend and go I'm so sorry it's all we can afford (laughs) (laughs) to annoy my mum she'd be like Christopher you cannot do that (laughs) Fighting Insanity says February the 14th romantic meal at Pizza Hut with Steve Valentine who forgot in inverted commas his wallet and got dumped on Shaftesbury Avenue in 1990 for forgetting his wallet which led me to think should men still pay because on first dates there's often this thing and i notice on first dates the show on channel four that men often pay but should they what's going on there william what a sort of man and a woman on a date yes yeah now interesting because i was just having this conversation with a friend of mine's girlfriend who was saying she's a feminist and yet she has conflict in a conflict because sometimes she wants a man to be sort of chivalrous in an mm. old-fashioned way but there's things like i open the door and let and say ladies first mm. but is that bad I think it can really annoy people, but I think you should hold it for men and for women and extend your courtesy to all genders and then that way, you know. I hold the door for men. really annoys me when people don't say thank you, though. Oh. And like, do you do that thing? I shout, thank you. You're welcome, yeah. I say. Yeah, oh, you're welcome, yeah. But what about with two men, let's say, or two women? What's the deal there? Well, to be honest, if someone said, don't worry, I'll get this, I'd be like, oh, great. 
Well, I would be. I'd be like, brilliant. Witchy poo in Florida 22 years ago with my boyfriend, now husband. Top floor hotel room, jet lagged, eating KFC, completely naked. There are now restaurants, apparently, where people eat naked. Can I just tell you that? Where? I don't know, but I know that's true. Is this um, anything to do with your Valentine's card? <laughs> it's a pop-up. Will's yeah. doing a pop-up in all senses of the world. Cards. You didn't. No. But that's, Did you get one from your husband? I got some flowers from my husband. Oh. Can I tell you my flower story? Yeah. I got sent flowers for my 30th birthday. By Simon Fuller, it was in an unbelievable... I was in Los Angeles. It was when I was thinking I should be... Act like a famous person. Mm-hmm. So I just flew around the world being unhappy. <laughs> so anyway, on my trip around the world in Los Angeles, and he'd sent me this incredible like box, a box of flowers, clear perspex box. Wow. With orchids orchid heads and just it was incredible um not to be confused with orca heads um and uh uh so i said these flowers are for william mm. young and they were like oh my god we were thinking who is william young we thought he was royalty and i told them that i was royalty did you yeah why i just wanted to see if i could get away with it I like to think that I brought some sunshine into their life because they were thinking they they didn't know who they were getting. They left, you know, thinking, my God, we've just had a visitation from royalty. But then they could have just Googled. And they would have realised it was pop royalty. <laughs> Should we get on yeah, to the main event, the main reason? Let's do this, people. And what is the main reason? Jack Munro came round to my house where she said that she wants to record her new cookery programme, by the way. Do you remember? She loved my kitchen. Yeah, I do. And that annoyed me because I was thinking, well, why are you going to get an, a bloody location fee? Which is so nice of you, William. So, <laughs> so gallant and giving. And we had a right old yarn. So I'm really pleased that everyone will get to listen to how lovely Jack is. She's bloody funny. Here's our chat with Jack Munro. Do you identify as an activist? Well, I have been identified by you know specialist services as an activist. I'm on lists as a rabble rouser somewhere. Because um, I did a freedom of information request a couple of years ago. I mean, Jones did one as well. We're like, oh, well, we were... Um, they said that tens of thousands of like political activists, Guardian journalists, saw on this list of people to watch, like potential terrorists. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I'm on it. So I... You know, went and asked, and uh, yeah, apparently I'm on lists, and my Facebook gets watched, and things like that. So I was like, right, really? I'm officially an activist so how with a capital A. This is fun. <laughs> did you do you feel safe in this country to be politically active? Yeah, reasonably. I get a lot of threats here and there from usually men, but um, I'm quite computer savvy, so I can. I've worked out a way of identifying who they are, just using their IP addresses, email addresses, like cross-referencing it with their broadband provider, going through X directory. I mean, I've got, I've got a system because I was are like... Are you secret, <laughs> 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 Because I was like, I wouldn't I've got be able to tell you. With my Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> I was from here. <laughs> but I got to a point where I was getting these threats from people and all sorts of graphic, really, really awful awful things that people say like that I should be hung upside down from a tree and have burning acid poured into my fanny basically but in much more graphic language until I die or I want to find out who these people are Mm. and so I did a little bit of working behind the scenes thinking can I find you to a bit of google maps a bit of cross-referencing and um, I traced one of them and so I wrote to him 
And when was this? This was about six months ago. And um, he stopped commenting on my blog. And um, I'd found out that he lived in Dublin. So I forwarded all the information to the appropriate police force. And I was like, actually, this man's been sending me threatening, graphic threatening messages for the last year. Um, and I think you should deal with him. And now that's how I deal with it. If someone leaves a message like that, it's handy to have a system now and go, right, I want to find out who you are. And I'm going to spoil your day. Because mm. you spoiled mine. Does it get exhausting? Yeah, it does, but I've learned to switch off. I went and bought myself a Nokia 3310 with no internet access. 12 people have that phone number. And it's my... The world is getting too much. People can contact me on this if they need to. My mental health and work-life balance just tilted in completely the right direction when I did that. I was just like, wow, actually, I'm not carrying around a pocket full of monsters, as I referred to it, because there's not, these people can't just be here shouting at me in my face all the time. I'm not wasting time scrolling through things. I started to read novels again and read books, and my writing's better, my sleep's better, and it's the number one thing I would recommend. I wrote about an article about it on my blog just saying gave up my smartphone for an occasional turn and... Um, I've got absolutely no regrets I applaud you for that I think that's so that's so great to hear how it changed your life and it sounds like your life's become enriched because of it well I see things now you know it sounds ridiculous I live beside the sea and I'd forgotten I walk but my house faces onto the sea and I'd forgotten that because I was walking around with my face in a screen all day. When I've had things on social media that have gone badly in my small existence on, of social media, you feel scorched by the process, you know? It's just yes. really damaging. Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a disaster, to be fair. And I, I, <laughs> I, I tweet things and I, I, I fly off the handle and I'm bad-tempered and I'm quick and I'm like, and I'm like grouchy and I just, I will hit back sometimes to use the words of the great orange turnip with fire and fury like they've never seen. It's like, no, someone, someone insults me or disses me or disses my missus or whatever. I'm like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have you. Mm. And then five minutes later, I'm like, oh, actually, yeah, it was a bit embarrassing. I'm just going to quietly delete that. Mm. But sometimes those those lashbacks they explode. Mm. They'll get hundreds of thousands of retweets and things, and then everyone's like, "It's just a teenager. You can't do that." And I'm like, "Well, sorry." And then just stops it. You just like you just own your mistakes. You just go, "Actually, yes, that was an irresponsible use of my platform. I lost my temper. I do apologise." Sorry does work. Sorry does work. Genuine apologies work. If you if you can recognise that you've made a mistake and you go, oh, do you know what? Actually, I'm I am bad tempered. I'm having a bad day. Um, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have taken it out on you. Um, I'll try to be better. Mm. And which does and which, it works. Which, I mean, I almost don't want to mention the person's name, but I remember a certain person mm-hmm. who was abusive towards you and an apology would have been would have cut it all, all that was needed dead. I, would, mm. I would have dropped everything for an apology and yeah. she still hasn't been able to bring herself to do it I, I genuinely don't want to talk about that person because I'd rather talk about wonderful things <laughs> what I would love to say is that I think it's so great to see someone who is prepared to stand by what they believe and mm-hmm. stand by their morals and take someone on who is seemingly a lot more powerful Mm. you know i really applaud you for doing that because it was Mm. just oh it was so wonderful to see and i'm sure i'm not the only one Mm. but it's so interesting the power of an apology yeah because all all i wanted from her was an apology because Mm. in the days that followed what she said that vandalized war memorials i was getting death threats from veterans 
people like my father, my, well, my dad was a Falklands War veteran, my brother's been to Iraq and Afghanistan. So I was like, I'm the last person on earth you can accuse of this, you know. But I'd said, spoke to my dad privately and said, you know, if I'd, if I'd said, oh yeah, it's fine to deface a war memorial, he's like, I'd have disowned you. I was like, right, so this is how, this is how serious this is actually. But all she needed to do was say, actually, everyone stand down, I was wrong. Mm. I'm sorry. I didn't even need a sorry. I just just wanted to stand people down and just say, just stand down. I was wrong. And just use the same influence that had generated so much hate towards me to just tell people to stop. And she just wouldn't do it. Mm. And do you know what? I've got a nice new couch. I've had four holidays. And she got a whopping... She got about a 300 grand legal bill. Well, bloody brave. Really, really brave. And I've I've heard you talk, yeah, (laughs) about how it was two years of... Of hell. No, yeah. But then um, at the end of it, I um, I met my other half, basically straight off the back of, or as a result of that court case. Did you? Yeah. How did and that happen? I then met her through work, like the day after. We've been together ever since, so it's quite a nice little happy ending to what was an atrocious. Mm. Well, yeah, and I remember I remember seeing you on BBC Breakfast. No, it wasn't. It was Victoria Derbyshire, and and saying is. I'd just like to say my other half is not Victoria Derbyshire. <laughs> <laughs> As, as lovely as she is, <laughs> going, to, I'm just going to get in here. I mean, she's a, she's lovely, yeah. um, but she's <laughs> we're, we're not in a we're not we're, we're not we've not done a conscious coupling. <laughs> um, can we talk about how things started for you? How were you as a teenager? I was scatty as a teenager. My parents were foster carers, um, so my house was a revolving door of traumatised children, basically, which um, was quite difficult growing up. There was a lot going on. It was quite a tumultuous house, but a happy one, a loving one. They were stable, they were secure, they they're good parents, they're decent people. But, you know, you bed, you know, a pair of bunk beds and a, an eight-year-old girl sticks her head down to tell you about the things that her father did to her as a child and you're also an eight-year-old girl and you're like, daddies don't do that to little girls, daddies, daddies are nice people. And suddenly my whole world just imploded because, you know, someone turned up at the doorstep saying they had a gun because they wanted their children back. You know, you'd have threats of violence in, uh, in your home because people, you know, have kids who were absolute terrorways. One threw my cat down a flight of stairs, one called me the C word and she was only three years old. It was a household full of energy and not all it was positive but as an adult I can look at that and say that most of the children my parents took in they fostered about 100 kids have turned around so my parents are a very stabilising force a very stabilising influence but after about 10 years of having lots of different troubled children through the doors I went slightly off the rails myself I was just a bit not in any major way you know just just was a bit argumentative a bit troublesome and I moved out of my parents' home at 16, 17, because I was finally was a bit sick of living in an asylum, basically. And I, and I was like, no, it's got to, I want some quiet now. I'm going to... I'm off. Um, thought I knew it all and um, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Where did was, you go? I'd lived with a couple of friends I was working with in a coffee shop. We were all on minimum wage. We clubbed together and lived in a house on Canvey Island because it's the only place we could afford. And um, I did that for a while. And then I went and worked in another coffee shop and then I joined the fire service. And I was convinced, this is me, for 25 years, I'm going to, you know, I'll work my way up, I'll be an officer, I'll get to wear a white shirt instead of a, a red one and, and, and we'll have a, and it'll be a really nice, it'll be a really nice thing. And um, it didn't work out like that because I got pregnant and, um, and the rest is history. I'd just come out as gay to my watch officer as well about two weeks before. I was like, oh, Diane, I've got to tell you I'm a lesbian. And then a few weeks later I was like, 
die, I've got to come off active duties because I'm up the daft. And she was like... No. <laughs> Confused? She, she's just like, really? I was like, yeah, I, I made an error. <laughs> she's like, which one? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> which, of course, is not a question I'll answer. Because uh, <laughs> my son's adorable. You know, never refer to it as an error. Oh. Um, and his father's one of my closest friends. And really? We've, yeah, we've just, we've just got on with it, really. That's amazing. Yeah. He's a, he's a good man. I'm not sure he ever imagined the life that we've got, dysfunctional and, and brilliant as it is. But I don't think any of us ever do, do we? We jointly raise this great little human and all our extended families muck in and it's nice. So he really... He so stuck around. didn't want to, to be together. Oh, God, no. no. <laughs> I mean, you know, not to state the obvious, but... No, I was gay. <laughs> Thanks for helping me work that out. Yeah. <laughs> um... So how was it bringing up a child, being gay? Yeah. And did you have relationships? I didn't really for the first couple of years. Yeah. By the time I left the fire service when he was 18 months old. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Or thereabouts, because they couldn't... I came back off maternity leave to find that I couldn't really do the shift pattern anymore, because it's two days, two nights, four days off. Um, I couldn't do 15-hour night shifts. And then it was like, right, actually, this... This is too stressful for all of us. I'll leave and I'll get a part-time job somewhere. And uh, that didn't really happen (laughs) because I left the fire service into a recession. And whereas before I'd got every job I'd ever applied for, afterwards I applied for 300 jobs and couldn't even flip burgers at McDonald's or stack shelves in Tesco's. No one wanted me. Because I see you as a mother of a young child as a liability anyway, and they do, and employers do, and they can they can pretend they don't all they like. I'd had in the interviews where I didn't mention that I was a parent, I got invited back for second interviews, and it, I took it as an experiment in the end. I start, I mentioned my child at half of them, I didn't mention her at the other, and then every time I mentioned my child, you'd see people glaze over and they'd be like, oh, trouble. Mm, really? And, yeah. Um, and so I started to write a blog from the point of view of a you know, of a gobby single mum living in the town. And then I wrote a post in July 2012 called Hunger Hurts, where I was at the end of my tether. I was suicidal, I was cold, I was hungry, I was miserable, I was furious. And I was just like, look, this is what it's actually like. I've done 14 job applications today on my mobile phone because I haven't got a computer or internet access. I'm hungry, I've got nothing left to sell. And I wrote it and it went viral. Mm. 
and I was and I didn't expect it and I was putting up everything in my house for sale in like a boot sale at my house I called a big open house sale and I said to people, I get Facebook reminders about it <laughs> every year. And it was like, I literally labelled up everything in my house, advertised it in the paper, and people came around and bought everything I owned because I had no money. And, um, and that went viral. And from there, Penguin got in touch and said, oh, we like your recipes, can we offer you a recipe book deal? And I was like, I can't write a book. And then the other part of me went... It's a job. You need a job. It's 25 grand. You could live off that for two years. Take it, run. You know, write the thing that they want you to write. You've got two years to do it in. And so I accepted. And, um, and life was never the same. That's, and, that's so... It's a real... There was a, there was a, a middle... There was a midsection there where mm. I got talking on Twitter to a Telegraph journalist called Santhi Clay... And Xanthi was um, lovely, but she'd read, she'd read my blog and she was like, I'm really intrigued by your cooking. Can I come over for lunch? And I was like, no, I live in a hovel. <laughs> I was like, this nice posh lady coming around my house. And I was like, yeah, all right, then what have I got to lose? It's a while since I've had a chat with an, like another human being, like a proper sit-down lunch. I'll make you some lunch. And um, so she came over for lunch and I cooked her this bean tagine and... Um, we had a chat about it and, and about my recipes and where I learned to cook and about my parents. And, and she did a full-page profile in The Telegraph, my 49p lunch with a girl called Jack. And it was off the back of that article that Penguin went, hello, you look interesting. But it was, Xanthi pretty much was the catalyst for me getting my first book deal. And we're still friends. And um, the first time I went to her house, in Bristol, beautiful, sprawling, gorgeous houses like, like your house. It's lovely. It's just absolutely. Yeah, we're going to get along just fine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was lovely. It was, you know, lined with cookbooks, huge, great big oven, like six course dinner, terribly posh. I just sat there shrinking with shame, the absolute hellhole I'd taken her to for lunch. I was like, oh, your house is so nice. It's so nice. She's like, you will have a really nice house one day. You will have a really nice house one day. You'll be so successful. She's so nice and so like motherly and she like wrapped me up and put me to sleep on the sofa bed and I was just like stay for a few days you must stay for a few days and I was like oh, okay <laughs> feed me feed me <laughs> she sounds wonderful she's lovely she's like a fairy godmother and her husband Richard's just the nicest man and he's got an assortment of children running around and just yeah and, I was, and she she literally changed my life mm-hmm. and she just said well I was just curious about you you just you were just unlike anything else that was coming along <laughs> it's like it's a statement that re- remains true i think um but yeah and then you, and you wrote the book mm-hmm. first one because it's so because i'm that's when i came across you mm-hmm. it's so interesting how that food food that was so scarce yeah. and expensive yeah has been your way in to now your life yeah. now as being known as a, well, a chef yeah a food, a, a food writer yeah. a cook author um, just um, finished my third but it's called cooking on a bootstrap and it's very much the same ethos i've called it the sequel to a girl called jack because it just continues seamlessly from look here are some tins of unappetizing looking food products and here's how to make them into meals you can you eat like and enjoy um, and that's just i mean I think anyone can cook with a side of fillet steak and a, and a £100 budget. I think it's really difficult to 
pick up a load of stuff from value and basic ranges at the supermarket and turn it into food. Mm. And I'm lucky, if I can look back, a lot of my early jobs were in crappy canteens, basically. I worked in Chippies as a teenager and like the old Wimpy restaurant. So I could see, I love a Wimpy. (laughs) There's still a few about. There's still quite a lot about. (laughs) With a knife and fork, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wimpy. (laughs) Bender in a bun that they still call a bender in a bun. I'm like, how are you getting away with this? That should be a club knife. (laughs) (laughs) Please, can we do a club knife called Bender in a bun? Yeah. You get food at the end. And you can cook. <laughs> and and yeah. you just go, and we just, you know, and so I had some basic cooking skills along the way, but I also knew that the majority of the food industry is using great big tasteless cans of slop and turning them into food with herbs and spices. And I was like, I can replicate this. So I got some cookbooks. It was actually Gordon Ramsay's Great British Menus, Nigella How to Eat, and the Hungry, the Innocent Cookbook. And I sat down with them, and I just worked out what I could cook out of them with tins of beans and what I could replicate. So my chilli recipe is actually Gordon Ramsay's. Um, my, one of my pasta recipes was stolen from Nigella. But all of them have been absolutely fine about it. So I've got a bit of a fantasy cooking show in my head where like me and Nigella cook the same meals, but a really posh version and a really budget version. Amazing. So you know like fashion, they do spend, splurge. You can have yeah. the Balenciaga bag or whatever that is, or the Primark version. So we could do that with food. I just want to see you with Nigella, sorry. Oh, there's a framed picture of us together on my mantelpiece, is but you it? can't see me because I literally hug-bombed her. Just, you know, uh-huh. that's, that's, that's quite difficult for me. I threw myself at her once in, in like a hug so you can just see Nigella looking slightly startled and this little blonde thing just glumping around her like oh I love you um, yeah she's lovely and um, she took that well and we stayed in touch <laughs> what do you identify as do you identify as a, as a apart from that <laughs> do you identify as a gay woman do you identify as a mess as a mess <laughs> Um, mostly a gay woman. I'm not very comfortable with my womanhood. Mm. Um, I've got. I was very. I was very tomboyish as a teenager, and I spent a lot of my teens absolutely convinced that I should have been a boy and I should have been called Adam. And I spent a lot of the last few years unpicking that. Went through a phase of like binding my breasts, taking testosterone, and I've come out the other side of that. And I'm still there. I like a good suit jacket. I like to dress up. I like to assume quite a masculine persona. But I think in the same way that drag queens do with a female persona. So if I'm going out and I want to be, I want to be confident, or if I'm going to an awards ceremony or a posh party where I'm not going to know lots of people, I will literally tits down, you know, hair up, just butch, masculine, fierce, slightly like aggressive, like grrr. But day to day, I just lounge around in my pants, just sort of, you know, just being fine with who I am. So you will so so, bind your boobs? Yeah, so you get, it's like a vest with like a neoprene front. And um, I was a lot heavier when I came out as being non-binary. And so it took some, it took some work to get them to look like, you know, nice pecs. But the thing is, if you're, if you're quite generously gifted in the breast part, <laughs> you can squish them into basically a Johnny Bravo chest. And it's really, it's great. It's like, you can sort of sculpt it into this like dream triangular body. It's like, um, but um, yeah, I don't really... It hurts, you know, and, and day to day, I don't need to, I don't need to do that day to day to validate and understand who I am. Yeah. Mm. Being with a partner who 
is happy to have me either way or anything in between. It has been really, not validating, but has helped me be a lot more comfortable with myself. I don't feel like I've got to, that my exterior has to match my interior all the time now because it's just effort, isn't it? It's work. I like a good red lipstick. I like a pair of high heels, but I also like to be able to butcher up every now and then. So I'm quite happy just sort of floating around in the grey area in the middle. No, I think that's, I mean, for me, I'm doing a thing on Radio 4. Ticket's still available. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking, shall I, do I want to wear a black dress mm-hmm. or do I want to wear, I've got a sort of all-in-one kind of culotte sort of trouser suit thing. Do I want to wear a suit? And I love that. Mm. I bloody love that. And yeah. I see no problem with it either. I don't no. see it as fake. I don't see it. It just, it will bring, if I go to a meeting and I want to wear boots to feel stronger, I'll wear boots. I used to go through a phase where I was, when I was at my most butch, when I was in the fire service, I was, I was quite well built. I was, I'd worked out my upper body quite a lot. I was quite muscular. I, I posed, I posed topless for a calendar, but you, you think from the picture with my arms up so you can't see that I've got breasts, basically. And I, like, you know, people would buy that picture from art galleries going, oh, that nice young man. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it may. <laughs> and, I was the opposite. I would secretly wear like lingerie and stockings under my suits, and I'd be like, "I think I'm just a bit kinky, to be I fair." Love it. <laughs> just, you know, I think I just, I think I just like, I just think I just want to have it all. Um, Do you promote now, that? I guess I mean the yes, fact just, that you look, can... we've dug out the photo. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It me? Oh. <laughs> Yeah. It's confusing. <laughs> you know what? It's reminding me of like um, slightly, I really mean this in a good way, um, Johnny Rotten. That's the. Yeah. And that's people the, say that. That's the kind of thing I was going for, slightly grimy, like yeah. grimy, angry. Like. Yeah. What I like is that you've processed some stuff and you have different feelings yeah. about yourself than you did a while ago. And I think yeah. that's really nice for people to hear because on one day you can feel one way and on another you can feel another. And I think that it really frustrates me how reductive the discussion is. Um, It's it's also quite reductive in terms of gender clinics. um, Really? Because a lot of the questions I was asked, I was then diagnosed as being transgender, female to male or female to non-binary, and I haven't quite worked it out. But a lot of the questions that you're asked is, how often do you wear skirts? Do you like lingerie? Do you, and and the, the real binary polarising of gender at somewhere which is supposedly revolutionary trying to unpick. Mm. The, and this is, where I, this is where I struggle with the discourse between trans-exclusionary people who consider themselves to be radical feminists and mm. trans people because aren't we all trying to unpick gender norms and gender roles and abolish gender roles and say that being a woman isn't about high heels and makeup and skirts and and boobs and you know rigby and pedal and all that Mm. it's but coming at that same conclusion from two very very different places Mm. is that shouldn't we all just be able to wear what we like express ourselves how we like be who we be who we want to be it's not really any of anyone else's business, is it? And it, it, there seems to be an implication that 
I don't know, there's some rule book sitting somewhere that we don't know. And actually reminded me of when you wore a dress on stage at Glastonbury. Mm. I was ended up standing with this group of like real lads who were like proper lads. They were massive fans of yours. They knew every single word to every single song. They didn't give a flying fuck that you're wearing a dress, you know. And so there's this implication that someone somewhere cares and they don't. Also, dresses are easy, aren't they? You can just throw on one garment and it looks so elegant. And I was like, I rejected dresses for years. I was like, no. Can I promote overalls as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a boiler suit fan. Boiler, I've, I've just got this brilliant <laughs> denim boiler suit yeah. for my mum, actually. Yeah. From your mum? For my mum. I was going to say, hang on, when we spoke last, that was a present for your mum. <laughs> I'm, secretly, I'm secretly hoping that she won't. Whoopsie, doesn't fit. Oh, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah it's um, funny, isn't it? I think people, well, people need to know. It's like, oh, this is confusing me. Okay. You know, and, then, and, then, and, and it's so interesting that sometimes it's the people that I would feel would be on side with things. But lots of people that have been progressive in the past maybe aren't as progressive now. Well, you just, you, it's, it's like I said about Jermaine Greer once in, a, in an interview with Even the Standard, it's, it's a shame that the people who gave us some of our most progressive ideas 30 years ago have stayed there and we're now progressing past them. Mm. We're just, we've just, they've got us to a point and they've got stuck. Because Jermaine Greer said that Caitlyn Jenner was only transitioning because she was trying to get the attention of the female Kardashians, right? Is that what she said? I think so. She did say that uh, just because you lop off your penis and wear a dress doesn't make you a woman. I've asked my doctor to give me long ears and liver spots, but that won't turn me into an effing cocker spaniel. And you're just like... Dare I say, she's not relevant anymore, so she wants mm. to throw out things that are... Well, it became a thing for a while, didn't it? Trans bashing got you an instant full page in the mail. Mm. Oh, this person, this washed up whole nobody has got um, said something bad about trans people. Boom, they've profiled again and you're like, hmm. Mm. It, became, it almost became a bit of a PR tactic for some people. Actually, if you're re trying to rebuild your career based on the back of oppressing a minority group, well, you're actually, you're just, you're just not right, really, are you? You're just, no. you're just not very nice. It's like, and when people say people are transitioning to female because they want to like promote themselves or ascend their careers, or you're like, yeah, you know, men have got it really easy actually in the professional world. You know, there's some television presenters who've transitioned. There are some, you know, there are a, a lot of people in the public eye who have transitioned whose careers have actually taken a slight nosedive as a result of it because the amount of abuse you get impacts on your mental health, but also people see you as a risk or you become a one-trick pony. Mm. Um, when I came out as being non-binary, I lost a cookbook deal, which no. is how I ended up publishing my book self-publishing because the publisher wanted to call it a girl called jack too which i thought aside from being utterly lame mm. um i was like i'm nearly 30 you can't really call me a girl anymore and also i don't really want to be called a girl anymore i'm not I don't, i'm not really using that as a term to describe myself and they um they pulled it so i was like well balls to you i'm gonna self-publish um, but when people say, oh, you only came out as trans for attention um, for your career, I was like, well, I actually killed my career. Um, mm. Dead in the water. I ended up having to crowdfund my own cookbook because no mm. publishers would take me on because they thought that the trans thing was distracting and a liability. Really? One of the only things I regret about coming out as trans is that it was also public. 
because then everything I wore was scrutinised. Every way that I was was scrutinised. Every time I lost my temper, it was scrutinised. Every, mm. every bit of language I used, every award I won, everything was scrutinised mm. to see whether I was validly trans enough or mm. whether I was male today or female today. Or mm. And I wish I'd just done that, that a little bit more mm. on my own. But I also felt it was important that young people had some kind of a role model and had mm. some kind of visibility and had someone who was like them in the public eye. So mm. I sort of t took the hit for that. But did, you talk, did you talk a lot to people? Did you vocalise feelings and thoughts you had? I had to um, because I'd quietly come out on National Coming Out Day. I was like, oh, by the way, I'm transgender. Um, and that's fine, and no one said anything about it. And then a couple of weeks later, I was given... Um, I was invited to an award ceremony called the Women of Future Awards, and that's nice. And I've been to a lot of award ceremonies over the last few years, and they're all nice. But at the time, I sat at the back, I got plastered, I was wearing a grubby white T-shirt. I was like, slaughtered, and I was like, I was like, drooling on the table. And then they started to talk about this single mum on the doll, and I was like, oh, that's nice. And then um, and on the stage, and this terribly posh lady, and she was like, oh, award for like Entrepreneur of the Year or whatever. One. Oh, no, it was a media award. Jack Monroe and I was like <laughs> 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 oh bollocks so I was scouting around my table because the whole room's turning around to see where I was at this point because I was not appearing on the stage and I was like I need to borrow a jacket I need to borrow a jacket has anyone got a suit jacket I need a suit jacket and they just need a suit jacket to go on the stage so I was cutting the suit jacket on nicked a scarf off the back of the chair stuck it on the <laughs> side right, right now I covered up all my gravy stains with my rolled onto the stage plastered absolutely plastered and I thank you very much for making me a woman of the future which is ironic really because I don't even know if I'm going to be a woman in the future um, <laughs> I then sat back down again plonked myself next to John Burke practically in his lap he thought I was great and we we had a good old laugh and um, I woke up the next morning to um, the organization had been bombarded with abuse from feminists who said that I'd stolen an award from a real woman that because I'd rejected my womanhood I should have turned down the award etc etc so then I was forced to come out and explain well actually I was drunk I was put on the spot and this was a decision taken by a panel of people who I wasn't going to disrespect their decision. They chose to give me that award. Mm. The same people who are saying that Caitlyn Jenner can't be a woman of the year are saying that I can't either. I'm like, you can't have it both ways. Mm. You can't say that neither of us are women mm. because by the very definition yes. that you're excluding Caitlyn, you should be including me. They didn't go for that. They didn't like it. And I've not won a women's award since. And um, it was... That was really rubbish of them, actually, and took something that was really a joyous occasion for me. And I knew deep down it might be the last women's award I ever won, mm. and I wanted to enjoy it. And um, it was that enjoyment was taken away from me, and instead I was suddenly put on the spot and asked lots of questions, awkward, difficult questions. Do you hate your child because he reminds you of your womanhood? Well, no, actually, I think he's adorable. Go away with your horrible line of questioning. Mm. And so where do you find your your connection and your solace and your support. I live beside the sea mm -hmm. <laughs> and I look at it on a very regular basis. 
I can see it from my bed. I have pointed my bed at the sea and sometimes I just go and I sit in it and I curl my duvet around myself and I go, this is nice. There are no assholes in there apart from me. <laughs> but I've got, a very, I've got a very good group of friends. Small. I can count my close friends on one hand and I think that's the way it should be. Um, but they're the people who, if I was in an absolute crisis, I could call them and they would come. My other half is uh, the polar opposite to me. She's patient and reasonable and measured and meticulous and tidy <laughs> and all the things that I lack. Um, and she's brilliant and just keeps me quite grounded. But also my son. I can't just shuffle off this mortal coil when people get too much. I can't just off myself because as tempting as it has been at times, it's I'm responsible for a small human and... I'm a menagerie of bunny rabbits and, you know, and, and someone's got to feed them and, yeah. you know, pick the ticks off their ears and stuff. So I've got to, you know, you just stay around, you just stick around. And when it gets too much, I turn this phone off, I turn the Nokia 3310 on and I just... Play snake. Take myself away. Sure, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of things that have happened for you or you've ended up doing have been... Not through some master plan. Do no, you? I don't have a plan. No, <laughs> I've never had a plan. Do you... I'm still laughing my head off about the fact that I'm like, you know, 2011, I was a single mummy blogger on the dole, starving, hungry, suicidal, not laughing my head off about it, but like, you know, and then I got a book and I was like, all right, I'll do this for a laugh because I need a job. And five years later, I'm like, this is Will Young and a dog. And we're sitting here making a podcast. It's one hit wonder. It's like, it just, it just keeps going. I'm somehow getting away with it. It's like massive imposter syndrome going on here, but I'm like, well, as long as, as long as the gigs keep rolling in, or I've got a couple of things I want to do. Um, as I say, my parents were foster carers all my life, really, and that's given me quite a lot of insight into trauma and the after effects of trauma, emotional development in children, and even with my own child, we moved house 17 times before his second birthday because we were just on the run all the time from bailiffs and, you know, rent arrears. And, and I just think I want to do something that combines cooking with therapy for childhood trauma. And I don't know how to do that. And I don't know where to start with that. But that's my next little... It may never get off the ground, but... Would you go into politics? Yes, yeah. but not yet. Can you be prime minister? Well, in a world where Donald Trump can be president, I think anyone can do anything. Mm. Um, but um, and I'm busy. I hurl all my own skeletons out the closet anyway. So by the time you know, by the time it comes along, there'll be no kiss and tells left, and I'll be happily married with like a bunch of dogs, and and you know, it'll be fine. But not not yet. I've got some more scandals to get under my belt first. <laughs> William, would you vote for Jack Mummer if she ran for Prime Minister? Yes, I think she's a person of the people and I think she's prepared to own her own mistakes. If only politicians were prepared to do that. One of the things that has stayed with me most about that interview on my little Amazon wish list is a Nokia 3310. She does this amazing thing that she does where she has her smartphone at home in her office. It's like a fixed thing and it's like a social club that you can visit once or twice a day. Like, so and that's got Twitter and Instagram and all those social media apps on it. But then when she goes out, she's away from it. And I've done that. So I have a smartphone at home and then I've taken all those apps off my walkabouty phone. How I found do you it feel? really useful. Oh, it's really useful. It makes really? complete sense. That whole disconnecting thing. I am going to get a Nokia 3310. But the only problem is Google Maps. I, I really need maps. Maybe you need to get some glasses that are sort of map glasses. 
What about glasses with lasers on? All I need to solve my smartphone addiction is glasses with lasers Or just a laser gun. A laser gun. Just go and play Laser Quest. If you have any views on the Jack Monroe interview, please email us. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com is the one. Or tweet at Will Young with a hashtag. Homosapiens. Homosapiens. <laughs> yes. Please let us know what you thought of Jack Monroe or indeed Chris and myself's hard hitting interview style. Policy or operation? Policy or operation? What's that from? It was uh, Jeremy Paxman asked Michael Howard 17 times. Oh, really? Was it policy or operation? And he just wouldn't answer the question. Really? Yeah. That was very like us, isn't it? Yeah. Velour or velvet, velour or velvet, velour or velvet, velour or velvet, velour. Or... <laughs> you um, can't handle the truth! Ah, now we've broken you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that when we interview the Queen. Oh, can we talk about the Queen at London Fashion London Week, Fashion Week yeah. next to, what's her name? Anna Wintour. Should she have removed the glasses? Not the Queen, Anna Absolutely Wintour. in respect. so, no. Also, can I say, Edward Ennefall should have been sat next to her, not Anna Wintour. The editor of British Vogue, you mean? Yeah, because yeah, she's the editor of American Vogue. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant that the Queen was there. Mm. Although disappointed to see she wasn't walking the runway. With like a real <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> and then she gives it loads of sass with a hand on the hip at the end. With the corgis. <laughs> Can you imagine? And everyone like clapping with Dodge and Gabbana walking down behind Philippe? her. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening and you're enjoying yourself... There's only one thing you need to do. What is it, William? Subscribe, rate and review via Apple Podcasts. If you subscribe, rate and review, you're in the runnings to win a Homo Sapiens t-shirt, which we talk about on Homo Sapiens Extra. Also, if you subscribe, then you get each new episode delivered to your telephone every time we release, which (laughs) not to be sniffed at. And we should probably say, people, we now are main episode on Thursdays, Homo Sapiens Extra on Tuesdays. Yes, we flipped it around just to keep you on your toes. Yes. And I want to thank you. Do you know why? Because, um, because you're leading us into our final song. Um, just be thankful <laughs> for what you got. Yeah. 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 Just... It has to involve the lyrics Homo sapiens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Homo sapiens. Homo sapiens. It's based Ooh, on just be thankful for what you got. Homo sapiens. That That's good. Don't interrupt, I'm ad-limbing. For what your homo sapiens. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Pat 
powered by Spirit Studios.